Welcome to TNS, the new school at Commonweal, a collaborative learning project exploring nature, culture, and consciousness. Join us now for stories and music with Rachel Naomi Remen and Karen Drucker, celebrating Valentine's Day. Greetings, everyone, and happy Valentine's Day. I am Kira Epstein, the program coordinator at the New School of Commonweal, and we are welcoming back Dr. Rachel Naomi Remen and musician Karen Drucker for a celebration of Valentine's Day, exploring the path of living from the heart with stories and music. And we're also celebrating a little belatedly Rachel's birthday, which was last week. So happy birthday, Rachel. For anyone who may be new to the New School at Commonweal, we are a program that presents conversations and performances with inspirational artists and leaders and scientists and activists and doctors, among many other things. We've been offering our programs free of charge and in the spirit of gratitude for 15 years now. And we have almost 400 conversation recordings. You can find them on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Spotify, and our website. Um, And we are just so grateful and delighted to have Rachel and Karen back with us for another event. We are recording the conversation. The recordings will be posted on uh, Rachel's Facebook site, on Karen's, maybe on Karen's Facebook site, we hope so, and on the New School website at tns.commonweal.org. Again, you can also find them on all of our media channels. I imagine that almost all of you know our guests if you're joining us. Rachel has been medical director for Commonweal's Cancer Help Program for many years, and she's joined us many times at the new school. And Karen is a keynote speaker, a women's retreat facilitator, and an entertainer who's recorded 22 CDs of inspirational music, some of which you'll hear today. Finally, a big thank you and welcome to you for joining us to hear these stories and music. We're honored to have you with us. Okay, with that, I'm going to turn things over to Rachel and Karen. Again, thank you for joining us at the New School of Commonweal. Thank you, Kira, and thank you, Ken. Behind the scenes, we are we are thrilled to be here. Good morning, Rachel. Good morning, Karen. How are you today, my darling friend? I'm here. You are here. I think that's what it all kind of comes down thing. to, don't you think? You just show up. That's half the that's half the thing. At 85, it's a darn good thing. It's a fabulous thing. You're pretty gosh darn fabulous for 85. So you know what I want to say to you, Rachel? Here you go. This is what I say to all of us today. Do you oh, see my sign? Look at that. You are loved. I have this, so every morning I see this. It's on my wall. And then you know what else? You gave this to me many years ago. I carry this with me all the time in my purse. It just reminds me that I have wonderful friends and hearts and love in my life. All right, so Rachel... Today's Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day to you, my and friend. to you too, <laughs> and to everybody, to everyone here. So we are going to talk about love today. Love of ourselves, love of others, love of just love. You know, we Rachel and I were talking last night about how we want to have this hour with you to be to really kind of reframe 
what this day is, that it's not about, you know, flowers and candies that you're sending to your romantic partner and, you know, the flowers that they now double the price of on this day, <laughs> that it's really a day of, um, of just deeper connection to your heart. You notice all my little heart, my heart shirt and my heart earrings. And this is my heart that says, this is my heart uh, magic wand that says that you can sing. So Rachel, can I start off with a couple songs here to set us up? So this is my magic wand. If anyone ever told you when you were in fourth grade that you should just hum, like they said to me, <laughs> this is your magic wand that says that you now can sing. All right, so... So what we're going to do today with the songs that I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a few songs that I call chants. And a chant is simply something that repeats over and over, that if you get it the first time, hopefully you can close your eyes and you could just drop down into your heart. You get out of your overthinking mind and you can just start to sing. So this is a Buddhist little mantra that says, May I be filled with loving kindness. May I be well. May I be peaceful and at ease. And may I be happy. And you know, it starts with us first, when we can allow our hearts to just open to the love for ourselves first. Then, then we can give it over to other people. So let's start off with this. Let me teach it to you. May I be filled with loving kindness. May I be well. May I be peaceful and at ease. And may I be happy. So that's the whole thing right there. So just take a deep breath. I'll help you through it. May I be filled with loving kindness. May I be filled with loving kindness. May I be well. May I be well. May I be peaceful and at ease. May I be peaceful and at ease and happy. And may I be happy. So take another deep breath. Put your hand over your heart. Sing it to yourself one more time. May I be filled. May I be filled with loving kindness. May I be well. May I be well peaceful. May I be peaceful and at ease happy. And may I be happy. So take another deep breath. So now think about someone in your life that you love. Just put them in your mind's eye and sing to them in your heart. May you be filled with loving kindness. May you be well. May you be well peaceful. May you be peaceful and at ease. And may you be happy. So now think of another person. Put them in your mind's eye and sing to them today. May you be filled with loving kindness. May you be well peaceful. May you be peaceful and at ease. And may you be happy. All right, let's do a little healing here this morning. 
If you have anybody you have a little issue with, picture them in your mind's eye. And to the extent that you can open your heart to them, just sing to them. May you be filled with loving kindness. May you be well peaceful. May you be peaceful and at ease happy. And may you be happy. Good job. Now let's include all of us. May we think about the world, think about where you want to send this love to. May we, may we be filled with loving kindness. May we be well. May we be peaceful and at ease, happy. And may we be happy. All right, let's sing it one more time to ourselves. May I, but let's affirm it this time and say, I am filled. And I am filled with loving kindness. I am well. I am well, peaceful. And I am peaceful and at ease. And I am happy. Just that last line. I am happy. And you can smile if you want, if you really feel it. And then I am happy. I'll give you one more little one. So whenever I facilitate a retreat, I have a little ritual that I do. Every time I stick a, a chair right in front of me and I tell everybody in the group, I say, picture someone in your life that you want to send some love to. So right now I want you to picture someone sitting in that chair. Maybe you're singing right to them and you're going to send your love. And you know what? Even though they might not be on the call, they might feel something from this. So you're going to sing, I send my love over the mountains. I send my love over the sea. I send my love into the heavens and it returns to me. It just goes like this. I send my love over the mountains. I send my love over the sea. I send my love into the heavens and it returns to me and it returns to me and that's the whole thing and I always love to put movements to my little chants so you can do this I send my love from your heart and you say over the mountains you do a little mountain I send my love from your heart over the sea a little hula over the sea I send my love from your heart into the heavens into the heavens and then bring your hands down and give yourself a hug and it returns to me send it again i send my love picture that person in your mind's eye over the mountains send my love send my love over the sea over the sea yes send my love i send my love into the heavens into the heavens are you singing along with me and it returns and it returns let's send some peace out to the whole world i send peace i send peace over the mountains i send peace i send peace over the sea over the sea peace i send peace into the heavens into the heavens and it returns to me and it returns to me let's say it one more time i send my love 
I send my love over the mountains. I send my love over the sea. I send my love into the heavens and it returns and it returns to me. It returns and it returns to me. Last time, it returns. Now give yourself a little hug to me. Yay. What do you want to say about that, Rachel? <laughs> Thank you. That's what I'd like to say. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> when we sing, it just opens up our hearts, you know, just the breathing and the singing and dropping down. It allows us to feel that love for ourselves. And truly what I said before, when we start from that place, allows us to give it out to the world. And we all need some shining lights these days, shining lights of love. A few words? Yes. Yeah. You know, um, Valentine's Day, um, when you think of it, you think of all those cards and those heart-shaped boxes of candy. I know. And uh, flowers, right? And you think of the people you love, right? But the heart is something much more profound than that. Actually, hey, you know what, it's Rachel? Move day. in, Rachel. Move in a little bit closer. Yeah, okay. a little bit there. We might be able to hear you a little Can bit. Can you better. hear me? There you go. That's even All that's right. great. So the heart is much more profound than than um, boxes of chocolates and things like this. The heart is a way of seeing. Um, it is um, not soft. It's not touchy feeling. It's uh, an organ of vision, a way of seeing that offers us great strength and wise action. And when we see through the heart and not only through the mind, we discover the power to make a difference in the lives of other people and in our own lives as well. The heart changes our experience and reveals the deep meaning in ordinary life. So when you see through the heart, you're able to see meaning in even the most ordinary things. Um, ours is not a particularly loving culture. I think we think that the future of the world depends on intellect, on discovery, scientific discovery, on communication, all these things. But actually, the future of the world probably depends on the perspective of the heart. It depends on our ability to see with the heart and to see the connections between us and to see the meaning in the most ordinary of things. Right? Um, you know, ours is not a loving culture. We haven't created a loving world. Our world is full of judgment. And I'd like to read you a little piece about uh, what, what that means, actually. Um, allow me to 
in my head. You will see the top of my head now. Um, the life in us is diminished by judgment far more frequently than disease. Our own judgment or the judgment of others can stifle the life force in us. It's spontaneous and natural expression. Unfortunately, judgment uh, is very commonplace. It is very rare to find someone who loves us just as we are, as it is to find someone who loves themselves whole. Judgment does not, not only take the form of criticism. Approval is another form of judgment. When we approve people, we, we sit in judgment on them as surely as when we criticize them. Positive judgment hurts less acutely than criticism, but it is judgment all the same, and we are harmed by it in far more subtle ways. To seek approval is not to have a resting place, no sanctuary. Like all judgment, approval encourages a constant striving. It makes us uncertain of who we are and what our true value is. This is as true of the approval we give ourselves as it is of the approval that we offer others. Approval can't be trusted. It can be withdrawn at any time, no matter what our track record has been. It is as nurturing of real growth as cotton candy. And yet many of us spend our lives pursuing it. Because ours is not a loving culture, we often can't tell the difference between love and approval. Another word for, we, we have found another word for love. We have invented another word for love. We call it unconditional love. <laughs> but all love is unconditional. Um, it's a grace that we give one another. It isn't earned. It's just there. Anything else is only approval, is only approval. You know, the heart is an organ of, vi of vision. It allows us to see meaning in the most ordinary and daily uh, of events in life. And it completely changes our life. The ability to see the meaning in, in, in your work, in your relationships, um, everywhere, changes your experience very profoundly. And it is the source of real happiness, I think. Um, we, there is no such thing as non-conditional <laughs> All love is un unconditional, right? Everything else is approval. Everything else can be withdrawn. Love is uh, something different than that. Um, I wanted to start by reading you a story of a time that I remember from my childhood when the entire nation understood love for the, together for a whole week, right? And I'm just going to read this to you. When I was small, there was a week when the whole country knew that every human life is irreplaceable. It was many years ago, 
But as I recall, a child somewhere in the Midwest fell down an abandoned well, and for a week, rescue teams worked to bring her out. This was a time before television and a time before radio, a time of radio, and radios were playing everywhere, in the stores, the buses, the schools. Strangers met in the street and asked each other, any news? People of all religions prayed together. As the rescue effort went on, nobody asked whether that was the child of a professor down there, the child of a cleaning woman, the child of a wealthy family. Was that child black, white, yellow, or red? Was that child good or naughty, uh, smart or, or slow? In that week, everyone knew that these things did not matter at all that the importance of a child's life had nothing to do with those things, that a person lost, touched us all, diminished us all. And without saying this aloud, we all knew that there was nothing personal in this, that not only was this human life of great value, but our own lives were of equal value. If we ourselves had been down that well, all the thoughts and prayers of the whole country would have been there with us too. If on the occasion of someone falling down a well, we all know this, then we knew it all along. The dramatic crisis simply allowed us all to remember something which is true. Then the rescue was completed, and we all forgot it again. It is really surprising how easy it is to forget that every human life is precious. Every human life matters, and we are each one of a kind and worthy of unconditional love. I wanted to just uh, quote a few things and share a few other stories about love. Um, Rumi is, a, you have some Rumi quotes too. Let's share our Rumi quotes. Dueling, dueling Mine movies. is this. Mine is this. Um, your task is not to seek love, but merely to seek and find all of the barriers within yourself that you have built against it. Mm, love that one. Yeah, let me say it again. Your task is not to seek love, but merely to seek and find all the barriers within yourself that you have built against it. Mm. And mine is, what is it you want to change? Your hair, your face, your body? Why? For God is in love with those things. And she might weep when they are gone. So I have a song, Rachel, about, uh, well, let me give you a little, little thing about this. Let me start off. I'll do a little medley here. Some of you might know this song. Sing this with me if you know it. Libby Roderick wrote this. How could anyone ever tell you you were anything less than beautiful 
How could anyone ever tell you that you were less than whole? How could anyone fail to notice that your loving is a miracle? How deeply you're connected to my soul. So let me sing that to you again. How could anyone ever tell you? Sing with me now. How could anyone ever tell you you were anything less than beautiful? You were anything less than beautiful. How could anyone ever tell you? Anyone ever tell you less than whole? You were less than whole. How could anyone fail? How could anyone fail to notice that your loving is a miracle? That your loving is a miracle. How deeply we're connected. How deeply you're connected to my soul. Let me give you one more time. How could anyone ever tell you? How could anyone ever tell you? You were anything less than beautiful. How could anyone ever tell you? you were less than whole. How could anyone fail to notice that your loving is a miracle? How deeply you're connected to my soul. Just that last line. How deeply you're connected to my soul. Let me give you a little another another one. So this is this is interesting to me. This little chant of mine on Spotify has the most hits of any of my songs. And I have to say, well, why is that? Why is this song so much more popular than all the others? Because I think we need to hear this message. I will be gentle with myself. I will be gentle with myself And I will hold myself like a newborn baby child So that's the whole chant right there. I will be gentle. I will be gentle with myself Again, I will be gentle with myself And I will hold myself I will hold myself like a newborn Baby child, I'll be tender with my heart. Put your hand over your heart and say, I will be tender with my heart. I will be tender with my heart. I will hold my heart. I'll hold my heart like a newborn baby child. Now listen to this next line. I will only go as fast as the slowest part of me feels safe to go. So that's just ultimate self-care where you say, I will only go as fast as the slowest part of me feels safe to go. Sing that line with me now. I will only go as fast. I'll only go as fast as the slowest part of me feels safe to go. So this is my favorite line of the whole little chant. I will be easy on myself. I will be easy on myself. 
I will be easy on my, and I will rock myself. I will rock myself like a newborn baby child. Sing that again. I will be easy on myself. Easy on myself. I will be easy on myself, and I'll rock myself. I'll rock myself like a newborn baby child. All right, let's affirm it. Sing it one more time. I am gentle. I am gentle with myself. I am gentle with myself. I love myself. Love myself like a newborn baby child. Sing that one more time. I am gentle with myself. I am gentle with myself, and I love myself. I love myself like a newborn baby child. I rock myself, and I rock myself like a newborn baby child. I love myself, and I love myself like a newborn baby child. So I give you permission right now to put your arms around yourself, rock yourself back and forth a little bit. No one can see you. <laughs> just give yourself that love. I know someone who does this every morning before she gets out of bed. She just says, good morning, little sweet thing. How are you this morning? Good morning. Wouldn't that be a lovely ritual to do every morning? Just say, good morning. How are you today? Happy Valentine's Day to you, sweet one. You're listening to a TNS presentation with Rachel Naomi Remen and Karen Drucker. The heart is the capacity to see meaning. And meaning is, it in, is great strength. Um, finding meaning can change our entire experience of life. We do exactly the same things that we were doing before, but we do them with a different heart. Yeah. yeah. And I want to, there's so many stories about this, and I'd like to just tell you one of my favorite. It's Harry's story. Harry was an emergency room doctor. He ran, uh, he was the head of the emergency team. He ran the emergency room for a, a major hospital in a very, very big city in uh, uh, the USA. And he'd been doing this for years. And he lived on the edge of burnout. He was cynical. Um, he was uh, he's a hard man. A hard man, but a wonderfully competent doctor. Wonderfully competent doctor. And his life changed one night. It was an ordinary night in the emergency room. He was he was there on call. He was very, very busy. And because he was so busy, he was called on stat immediately to see a woman who was coming in in active labor. She's being being brought in by ambulance in active labor. And uh, the ambulance called and said, uh, we're not sure we're going to make it. She may have this baby before we get there. So please get ready. So he um, had immediately gone down to the ambulance bay where the ambulance was going to drive into the hospital. And he, he had taken two nurses 
with him who had obstetrical packs. And we they stood there and the, the ambulance pulled in. They opened the back door. They pulled this lady out on a stretcher and he examined her. It's still on the gurney, in, in the bay, in the bay, outside of the hospital. And he realized that the birth was absolutely imminent. It was going to happen in the next five minutes. And it was doubtful that her obstetrician could make it on time unless he was already in the building. So they paged him. Uh, and he said to this woman, he told her that her baby was very close to being born and that he had delivered literally hundreds and hundreds of babies in his 30 years in this emergency room. And um, if her doctor didn't make it before the baby, he would deliver her of her baby. And as he told her this, the baby's head began to crown and the nurses stood on either side of him. Each of them had one of her knees on their shoulder. He stood in the middle and he safely delivered her of this of this little baby girl. Okay. And um, he had a very familiar um, reaction to that at first. Everything had gone perfectly. There was no cord around the baby's neck. The baby was breathing. She had an APGAR score of nine, which meant that she was functioning really well. And he had his usual sense of pride in his own drop-dead competence. This is how he referred to it, his own drop-dead competence. And holding the infant with her back along his arm and the back of her head and the palm of his hand, he began to, he lowered her below the, the placenta to get all the, the mother's blood into the baby before he cut the cord, right? And he began to suction her nose and mouth. And suddenly, the infant opened her eyes and looked directly at him. And there was an expression of wonder on her face. And in that moment, Harry stepped past his usual way of seeing things, and he realized something astonishing. This, he was the first human being that this baby had ever seen, the first human being. And he felt, he, he felt his heart go out to her in welcome. And for just an instant, there were tears in his eyes. And this surprised him, but it did not render him incompetent. He completed the delivery and handed the baby off to the pediatric resident as usual. But he was telling this story to a group of other doctors. And what he told us was that he felt completely changed by this experience. That in the moment that the baby opened her eyes, years of cynicism and depression and fatigue fell away from him. And he was flooded with an unfamiliar feeling. Now, Harry was a guy, right? So it took him two days to identify what this feeling was. <laughs> but um, eventually he realized that the feeling was a feeling of gratitude for being the one who got to stand there on the threshold of the world and welcome her. Mm -hmm. And he realized that all that study, all that, but as he referred to it, all that crap, <laughs> was not his goal. 
It was just his ticket to a front row seat on life. And he'd been sitting in that seat with his eyes closed for many years. For many years. Harry said that he felt that perhaps this little girl was the first baby he had ever really delivered. In the past, he had been there as an expert, as a technician, but not as a fellow human being, right? Harry's not a poetic guy. He refers to the moment, though, when the baby opened her eyes as a holy moment, a holy moment. And he wonders how many such moments of inspiration and renewal he's missed in the 30 years that he has been an emergency room doctor. And he thinks he missed most of them. So he looks for the holy moments on purpose now. And he looked around at the group of doctors and he was telling the story to me. And he said, you know, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. Seeing with the heart, we all live far more meaningful lives than we know. It's a powerful story for me. Seeing meaning in everyday life. Maybe it isn't about love. Maybe it's something even more profound than love that our hearts make possible for us. Mm. And somebody said something to me recently that I, I've been thinking about for two weeks now. They said that the future of the world doesn't depend on science, technology, communication, nothing like that. The future of the world depends on our opening our hearts to one another. Mm. It depends more on compassion than on technology. And that's possibly one of the great secrets of life. I think that's absolutely right. Absolutely mm. right. And a lot of people say, you know, don't open your heart. It's a dangerous world. When you don't open your heart, it becomes a dangerous world. That's how this world became dangerous because we have closed our hearts and tried to live in that way. Yeah. Yeah. So, another song here? Rachel, I could just sit and listen to you for hours and hours. Love your stories. Love your heart. To you for hours and hours. Well, you know that's the thing that it's like. I think that's why people love you so much. That you just you remind us all to what is it, what is important. Going into your heart. It's not you know seeing through the heart with everything. Seeing with the heart. Yeah. You know I um I have this little mantra that I'm really living with these days. Two 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 ideas. One is, uh, Cheryl Richardson said, what would it look like if the only New Year's resolution you made was to love yourself more? You know, what would it be like if all you did was just, that's your only resolution is to love yourself more so that you can give out, you know, love to everyone else because it started with you. But then one of the things I've been working with recently is, 
asking myself with everything I do, is this the most loving thing? What, or uh, is this the most loving thing I can do for myself right now? So is this the most loving thing I can put into my body? Is this the most loving thing I can spend my time doing? And truly, Rachel, every time I spend time with you, I'm so uh, stimulated and, um, you know, on this day of, of what, what is usually in society romantic love, I think that this day to me is just about love and friendship. And I just, I'm so grateful for your friendship. So, <laughs> so with that, I have a brand new, no one's ever heard it before. I just barely finished <laughs> learning it two seconds ago song. I wrote this with my friend Gary Lynn Floyd, who was just another wonderful friend of mine. And it was interesting when we were writing this song about friendship, the way that I write is a lot of times I close my eyes and I think, who do I, what, what, what's the next line that I want to say? And I think of someone and so many of these lines came from me closing my eyes and thinking about you. So I dedicate this song to you on your, on your birthday. And for all of you out there, I give this to you as my friends, but think about a friend. Think about a friend of yours right now, and I'll sing it to them as well. You are the one I come to, to remind me who I am. When I need somebody to run to, you hold out your hand. Through years and tears, you've always been there for me. No, you know, but I just have to say it. You are my friend. Look at the, you, look at the little kitty right behind. I'm singing to the kitty as well. You got the, your little cat right behind you, Rachel. That's so fabulous. You are the one who will answer when I call you at 2 a.m. You talk me down from the ledges Help me find my way again Through thick and thin I feel safe here with you You bring me joy and love and laughter You are my friend Look how far we've come It's hard to believe we once were strangers And what we have begun I know will last forever And Rachel, I am the one who will be there When you feel like you're alone you can count on me to come through In me you have a home For all you bring to me I thank you You see I wouldn't be who I am Without you You are my friend you are my friend.
my friend forever and always you are you are winter spring summer fall and all you have to do is call you are my friend you are my friend Rachel you are my friend a little Valentine's friendship story song I have one more story to read that love I mean when I was looking to the stories you I never know what the books are about they were written in uh uh, 1996. I'm still finding out what they're about, and um, they're really books about love, all the different kinds of love. And this is one of my favorite stories. I'm just going to read it to you. In thinking about the special bond between grandparents and grandchildren, I remember a birth that I attended years ago. The baby's father, a first-generation Mexican-American was a graduate student at the university where I worked. He had married another graduate student, a young woman from Boston, whose family had been here for several generations. This was their first baby, and they wanted the very best of care. The university clinics were prepared to offer that. The young couple had, had gone through childbirth training together and had attended parenting classes as well. They were ready. And so are we, with the full power of contemporary obstetrical and pediatric medicine to support us. But things had not gone well. The labor was long and difficult. After many hours, the obstetrician offered the couple, the couple a surgical intervention. But the young woman had been fearful of having a C-section and had refused. Several more hours went by during which the obstetrician called me as a pediatric consultant. It was decided to offer the, cu the couple surgery again. Despite her exhaustion, her pain, and the pleading of her husband, the young mother was adamant she would not have this surgery. She was too frightened. Another uh, hour passed without much progress. And in desperation, the young man called his mother-in-law on the East Coast and asked her to speak to Jennifer, his wife, about having the surgery. While they spoke, he went into the waiting room to tell his own father what had been happening. Although he had come to California from Mexico years ago, Michael's father spoke little English. He was a man close to the land, weathered and strong, at first a migrant farm worker, and then with the help of his sons, the owner of a small farm in the Santa Clara Valley. Michael was his eldest. He had been sitting in this room for many hours, awaiting the birth of his first grandchild. He had listened carefully as Michael told him what was happening, his face growing serious and thoughtful. Then he nodded and said a few words in Spanish to his son, put an arm around his shoulder. I could see Michael relax a little. Afterwards, we went back to the labor room 
to find out, to find that after speaking with her mother, Jennifer had at last decided to go ahead with the surgery. Jennifer, her eyes filled with tears, lay back in her bed exhausted. Most of the obstetrical team went to prepare the operating room for the C-section, and I went up two, two flights of stairs um, to my office to let them know that I would be attending the surgery uh, and, and would be caring for the baby. I had barely reached my desk when I received a page from Jennifer's obstetrician. Before she could be taken to the operating room, Jennifer had rallied and with two great pushes had delivered her baby. Everyone is fine, said the obstetrician in much relief. And over the phone, I could hear the baby crying. It was a boy. Afterwards, I asked Michael what he thought had happened. He, 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 he replied that the obstetricians had offered him many explanations, but he actually thought that it had something to do with his father. Seeing my look of surprise, he smiled. My father is a great man, he told me. When he had gone to tell his father that the baby had been born without surgery, the older man had smiled and nodded. There had been much fear, his father had told him him in Spanish. He had heard about his daughter-in-law's fear and also had thought that he had felt the fear in his son Miguel. He had known then that the baby too was afraid. And so sitting alone in the waiting room, he had spoken to his grandchild in his mind, encouraging him to come and be born. He had shown the baby his many memories of the beauty of the land, the dawns, the sunsets, the new crops, and the rich harvests. He had told the baby that he looked forward to walking together on the earth. He had spoken of the goodness of, his, of, of life, of friendship, and laughter, and good work. And lastly, he had spoken of his love for the family. He had remembered his own father in Mexico and his, and his father's wife, both now dead. One by one, he had spoken of the baby's uncles, his sons, of their goodness, their strength, their pride, and his pride in them, and in the women they had married. He had shared memories of Christmas and birthdays and weddings and the joy he took in, they took in each other's lives. He had offered the baby his heart, and the baby had come. Over the years, I have attended many births as a pediatrician, a birth coach, a family member, or a friend. Sometimes I suggest to, to parents in labor that they uh, reach out to their unborn child in just the same way, showing the child mental images of the world's goodness, sharing their love to strengthen and encourage their baby in this difficult passage. That was beautiful, Rachel. I think the heart is more powerful than the mind. One of the best kept secrets in Western culture. <laughs> Truly. Let me just sing this one song to you all. This is, if, if there's anything you're taking from this today, this is a song written by 
Michael Gott with me just writing the second verse, but Michael Gott's song. So I'll teach it to you and you can sing with us. In this moment, in this place, I remember who I am. Letting fear and worry just fall away from me. I open my heart and I can see. Now there's, here's your part. There is only love. There is only love. Sweet love. It's a love that will heal. Love will set us free. There is only, only love. And when I lose myself in those times when it feels like I have lost my way, I go inside and I quiet this chattering mind. And that's when I can hear spirits say, sing with me now, there is only love. That line again. There is only love. Love that heals. Love that heals, sets me free. Love that sets me free. There is only love. There is only love. You got it. Sing it out now. There is only love. There is only love. Love that heals. Love that heals. Love that sets me free. There is only Sing it out. Open up your heart, Shaka. Just say, there is only love. Put your hands up. There is only love. I'm singing to the kitty behind you. Love that heals. Love that sets me free. There is only, only love. Now, bring it into a prayer. There is only love. There is only love, sweet love. It's a love that heals, love that sets me free. There is only love. There is only love so on this Valentine's Day go out and do something loving for yourself and then when you've done that do something loving for somebody else maybe even a stranger just spread that love and let it start right here it's happy Valentine's Day everyone Happy Valentine's Day to you, Rachel. Are you still frozen? No, you're not. You're back. Yay. <laughs> so thank you once again to Kira and Ken for having us. We sure appreciate it. 
Mm-hmm. We'll be back next month, I think. Wonderful. Karen and Rachel, thank you, thank you, thank you. Really uh, feel, I have a sense of um, just abundance and um, gratitude for spending this time with you on Valentine's Day. It can be a really hard um, day for a lot of people. So thank you for sharing in this way. And just a reminder, if you want to rewatch or re-listen to the conversation or share it with other people, if you're on the new school mailing list, you'll be notified when the recordings are posted, or you can check on Rachel or Karen's Facebook sites. And just a reminder that Karen has other events and offerings. You can find about, about those on her website, karendrucker.com. And Kira, if I can say one of the things that's pretty gosh darn exciting is Rachel and I have enjoyed doing this so much that we're going to do it live. We're going to just have an afternoon in on July 8th, which is a ways away. And that information's not even out yet, but we're going to tell you all first. So July 8th in Tiburon, California, Community Congregational Church, just an afternoon with me singing some songs and Rachel doing her thing and hanging out with us. So... We'll let you know about that. But anyway, thank you again, Kira, for having us. It's so fun. Absolutely. And so much gratitude for all of you who have joined us today. And we will definitely be in touch with more events like this and the recordings when they're posted. So thank you for joining us at the New School at Commonweal today. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to a TNS presentation with Rachel Naomi Remen and Karen Drucker. Thank you for listening to TNS, The New School at Commonweal. The New School at Commonweal is directed by Michael Lerner. Our program coordinator is Kara Epstein. Our audio producer is Ken Adams. Our theme music was performed by Debbie Daly. Visit us online at tns.commonweal.org. That's tns.commonweal.org. Commonweal is spelled C-O-M-M-O-N-W-E-A-L. You can also find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Facebook, YouTube, Vimeo, and Amazon Music. Thanks for listening. I go down, down to the water, by the water I feel home. Water can heal my body, water can heal my soul.